from the center of the universe and the home of your Grey Cup champion, Toronto Argonauts. It's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough brought to you by Something in the Water Brewing. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB as we get you set for the second half of the back-to-back duel between the Montreal Alouettes and the Toronto Argonauts. This one in Montreal, Friday night, 7 o'clock. Before we get going into our pregame walkthrough, I want to tell you about our title sponsor, Something in the Water Brewing. And this is also going to be a little bit about you because in this, I want to thank you for your your participation and everything they've done and everything we've done with them. You guys have been fantastic. The number of people who have sent us photos, uh, having, a, having a drink on the patio of Something in the Water in Liberty Village, uh, also buying the Longboat Pale Ale beer mugs that went on sale last week and a bunch of people sent us photos of them holding up their their beer mug with with Colonel Troutman fantastic the support it helps that they also have fantastic beer i think that's that makes it that makes it even better like i think you would support you would support our sponsors no matter what it's amazing that uh, something in the water is a terrific terrific place to have a beer they've got a number of outstanding award-winning beers and their steps from bmo field and from lamport stadium so it couldn't be better situated in liberty village so if you haven't done so yet do like our other listeners are doing and visit something in the water the next time you get an opportunity in Liberty Village. JB, we got a huge show today. We got to talk about the ability to clinch the division this week. We also have to talk about a, a way they can kind of backdoor themselves through another checklist. There's a lot of talk about whether or not the Argos belong in the number one spot in the power rankings. As hard as that may be for Argos fans to believe, we'll kind of talk about why people are saying that. The Argos made an interesting signing today, signing Benji Franklin. We'll get into that. We also want to talk about what to do at the halfback position with Robertson Daniel banged up. Uh, we know Deshaun Amos is out. It's it's a bit of a, a situation, so we'll we'll get into that too. Plus, we've got some injuries to go through on both Montreal and Toronto. The game preview, OCDC, one thing, predictions, put me down for 20, and our CFL picks. All that and more coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. JB, this week, Friday night, uh, maybe around 10 o'clock, the Argos might be the East Division winners. It's, it's pretty amazing. And we talked about this a few times already because we've seen it coming for the last few weeks, but it's it's here. This is it. This is the game that could decide that the Argos can shut, they can shut it down. You can do whatever you want. If the Argos win on Friday night, that's all that matters until the East final. Think about that. They will still have six games to play and then a bye and then the East final. They will have, they will have seven weeks where nothing they do matters, which is that too much? Is that good? Is that bad? Like well, I'm kind of I like mean, nervous. In, in a way, it's uh, it's like being an unofficial Ottawa Red Black. <laughs> that your games don't matter. Oh, None God. of your games matter, and yeah. the most are only on the radio. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully that's not uh, hopefully that's not them tuning in to uh, to listen to this one. I don't think we get a lot of Red Blacks fans listening, no. but uh, my apologies towards well, all of Red Blacks fans. It was there. I had to take it. No, that's fair. But no, seriously, the, the, it's it's a long no, time. Ridicu- I mean, it's ridiculous, and in some ways, it's probably um, <laughs> it's not ideal. I guess it's somewhat. I think it's fine, and they have lots of guys who are banged up, and and it lets people get back, but. 
you know, to be honest, I think most sporting history will tell you that shutting it down for six weeks is is not particularly useful. It's too much. Like, I just think it's too much. I think, I think the way you have to handle that is a little different. I think you, I think you're, what you do there, and it, it, you're going to have to risk some exposure to injury, but I think what you have to do is either decide, okay, we're going to take a week and rest a bunch of guys, and then we're going to go full at it for three, and then like rest a bunch of guys again. Like, that's a strategy. Or you, you rest a bunch of guys for a few weeks and then decide, okay, we're going to go hard in the last two weeks of the season and going into the bye. And then yeah, you come maybe, at it again. Maybe that. Maybe that's yeah, the call. I, I don't know which one. I would like to. That's the the next question I want to ask Coach Dinwiddie. Actually, is is maybe it's, I don't think he would give me an answer until it happens. <laughs> so he's not going to no. say that before the Montreal game. But maybe maybe in post game after Montreal, if they win, maybe I can ask about that. So we'll we'll see. But it's it's a good position to be in. But it's almost awkward. Now, the other way they can check off a box this week, even if they lose to the Montreal Alouettes. If Hamilton loses to BC, Toronto clinches a home playoff game. And so while they won't have clinched the East in that case, they could still be caught uh, mathematically by Montreal. If Montreal were to get first place in the East, Toronto already would have clinched second. And so therefore the playoff uh, home playoff game in the first round of the playoffs. So even with a Toronto loss this week, they can clinch a home playoff game. So that is a nice, that's another, we talked about this a few weeks ago, like you've got a bunch of boxes to check. These are the ones that go along the way to getting that that division title wrapped up, that East Division uh, home playoff game. And so this is another box. And so I think, you know, if they win, that's the easy route, then both of those are covered. But even if they lose, there's that chance, and I think a pretty good chance that Hamilton loses this week. They've got, they've got BC, no, they've got Winnipeg this week, so... So they're in pretty tough. So we'll see how that goes down. But I know Argos, the Argos want to take care of things themselves. They don't want to back into, into any of these box checks. But yeah, that's a pretty, it's a pretty wild scenario for what will be September 15th. I, it, it's been done before, but it's early. JB, do the Argos belong in the number one spot? in the power rankings. And I ask you because you don't, you don't do a, an official power rankings. I do. And I have them in my number one spot. Uh, where would you, would you have the Argos one? Um, I would probably have Winnipeg one because I, I think that Winnipeg has had a harder schedule. That's an interesting uh, it, take from you. Just Sorry, to, go just on. To, just to edge out. I think just to edge out, I think that they've had harder games slightly, not 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 significantly, but slightly. Um, I I don't know how many signature games Toronto has. I think the the dismantling of the Lions for sure is a signature game. Um, but uh, I I I would give Winnipeg. Um, you know, if I were to, if I were to give a power ranking. Um, I would I would still give it to Winnipeg as as the one, but then you know, and we're gonna see in in a few weeks um, who who's on top. But I, I do think they they come out just ahead for me. And I don't know if we will see in a couple of weeks because no, if they well, if Toronto that, clinches, that, well, that's how I mean we'll, we can get into that debate, right? Like I wouldn't show Winnipeg a thing if Toronto clinches. Like I would go in there, I would go in there with nobody. And I would just try and collect data. 
I want to run a billion different formations. How do they line up on this? How do they line up? How do they react to this motion? What do they do here? Like, that's all I would do. And I don't care if I lose 50 to nothing. That would be, that's my approach. I don't think Coach Dinwiddie's wired that way. I don't see him doing that. But like, I have done that before in, in games that don't matter. I've completely just shut things down and just tried to collect information from another team. So that's my approach to it. So I don't know if we'll get that matchup. And and that probably will put Winnipeg back on top of everyone's power rankings if they do win that game, even if Toronto's sitting everybody. But your argument is is a popular one. It's not You're not the only one saying that. A lot of people are saying that around the league. They look at the way Winnipeg dismantles Saskatchewan and they're saying, like, can, can the Argos look like that? And the thing is, we... We don't, you know, we haven't really seen that sort of result, those sort of numbers, but we've seen some impressive Toronto Argonauts wins. And you certainly look at the standings. They always have one loss. The only game in which their quarterback was knocked out at the beginning of the second quarter in, was that a tie game at the time? Like they, it was close, whatever it was at the time. Mm-hmm. The Argos had already put up a touchdown. Every other game they've won and most of them very handily. And so Winnipeg's got three losses. So I guess that's the counter to that is, look, they've, they've got by far the yeah, best record. No, I, I agree. They, and they have some bad losses. They um, do. Yeah, it's an interesting... I think I'm always kind of... I think I'm just naturally, <laughs> you know, about... Not about putting putting Toronto at one. I don't I don't like being in the number one seat. I like I like coming at the number one. So I think... I think it feels more comfortable to have Winnipeg at the top. Yeah, I'm, I'm that way too. I much prefer to be the underdog. And Coach Dinwiddie's talked about that as well. After the Calgary loss, it sounded like he was almost relieved at the thought that they might not be number one, but they, but they still, I think they still were where they were two. They might have been two uh, for a week and then jump back on top again. But well, I think he would like yeah, to be I mean, the underdog. I think that's the question. The question is, okay, who is the third best team in the league? That's BC. I, think, I don't think there's much question to me. You know, and certainly Toronto took care of them. And um, Winnipeg you know, did as well. Four, who's the fourth best team in the league? That's well, you know, that's it. Like I have no maybe idea. Maybe Saskatchewan. Yeah, that's what I I have. Saskatchewan is four, but like they just got they just got their doors blown off. Yeah, and I mean Toronto took care of them too. I think it's I think it's very close. Yeah, it couldn't you know really couldn't be closer. RJB, right, let's uh, get into this Benji Franklin signing. So this one came up today. Benji Franklin signed with the Toronto Argonauts. Let me tell you a bit about him. I did have some time today to do some film. Uh, I feel pretty comfortable with with what I saw. Uh, I also reached out to all three NFL teams that he, or media from all three NFL teams that he spent some time with. I heard back from two, uh, from Jacksonville Jaguars coverage, as well as Seattle Seahawks coverage. Uh, they're really high on this guy. The Jacksonville guys especially, they really liked him. They thought he had a real shot um, of, of sticking around and it just didn't work out long term. Uh, Seattle was uh, thinking that he really had to make it as a special teamer and he had to show up there as as uh, as a, a punt returner, kick return specialist and that didn't really materialize and so he kind of was stuck in a numbers game. There's a lot to like. He's got a ton of speed. He ran a legit 4-3-2-40. That would make him... That's got to make him the fastest Toronto Argonaut. Yeah, that does make him the fastest Toronto Argonaut. And uh, he just doesn't quite have NFL size. He's got he's six feet, which is great. 172, very light for an NFL corner. Even that, even nowadays, like you do have lighter corners now. That That's still in the the very low end percentile wise. Uh, he's only really played outside. That's all he's he's ever been asked to do. And so that's his role coming in. 
going back to his Charlton State, I've I've watched more Charlton's between Ben Holmes and now and now uh, Benji Franklin. I've watched more Charlton State film than I ever thought I would. Um, that's that's interesting because I don't actually love that film of him, but I can see what the issue is. He's so much faster than everybody else playing that he's got some. I'll call them bad habits. I guess he's baiting. He's baiting quarterbacks, right? He's he knows that he can catch up to receivers. So let guys go. He'll look like he's clouding when he's not, just to just to trick guys into into making mistakes. And and he capitalized on it. He had a ton of picks. He's you know pass breakups. He's all over the field. So it's not actually that it, it wasn't very helpful to me. And I think watching his preseason NFL stuff, that's where you really get a, a look at him. And I think he's I think he's a really good corner. I think he looks very much like the like a potential player in the CFL. I think he's got a lot of really nice CFL measurables and that speed is is something else. Change of direction too, right? That's something that that stood out on his film. So I'm excited about him. I don't know how fast he comes in here and and can contribute. I think he, you know, we'll we'll see. But that is a really nice signing to me. And you don't often get these guys who have just come out of uh, NFL uh, camps that come up right away. And so it's it's rare. So I, I do like that as well. JB, what is to be done at the halfback position? Deshaun Amos is out. Robertson Daniel, I think, is going to be a while. We haven't got a full update on him, but having left on crutches, uh, we know his ankle was banged up previously. Um, it's thin at halfback. Tavares McFadden is already playing out of position at halfback. That may be his position now. So maybe it's not out of position anymore. Maurice Carnell's coming back at some point. Uh, it's, I don't think it's going to be this week. Uh, what do they do here? Uh, is, I, I don't think there's an option to, to sign and bring someone in. Like we got to start moving guys around. Are you ready to move Quantas Stiggers inside? Like, is that, is that where we are now? Or are you fine with Mason Pierce? Like they ran out last game at the halfback spot. He actually looked okay last week. Yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting. Um, I mean, it depends on the team you're playing, of course. Um, my guess is that they will run him out to see what they have because these are relatively low-stake games. And if, you know, you don't, you don't have to, you don't need an all-star at every position at, at, at any in any unit. So you just need somebody who isn't um, a total liability. So I, I agree with him. I think that you run him out there and... If, uh, you know, if he can, if he knows the playbook and he can be okay, um, you know, you just run, you, you figure you can hide him uh, enough to to get by. When you start getting into the playoffs and the championship games, I think you're hoping uh, that somebody will come back uh, from injury. But for now, I, I think with these games, there's no need to, to overthink it or get too complicated. Let them play it. Um, let him get better at it and, uh, you know, and then replace him come the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's a nice, safe way to do it. You've got really different players. There. Like when you've got Mason Pierce out there, uh, he has let up some plays. Well, that was more in the Hamilton game. He let up some big plays. He played pretty well last week. He's playing it safe. Like he's giving a, a cushion. Like he does not want to get beat deep. And that's that's a that's a, a smart man. Like that's a recipe for success. When you are filling in for somebody, do not get burned for a deep touchdown. And, you know, you have to play a quarterback who is good enough to be able to constantly identify him uh, pre-snap. And and not every quarterback in the CFL is going to be able to pick on him that way. And Fajardo didn't do that, but 
Fajardo also did not have his full roster of receivers out there. They were a couple guys short, especially after Mac got ejected. So it was a little bit of a a little bit of a lighter Montreal offense. It's not going to be like that this week. They, the uh, reinforcements have arrived for the Alouettes. We'll get into that in our next segment. But uh, I think if, if he's out there this week, I kind of expect that. I think Mason Pierce is going to start at halfback. That would be my guess this week. I, I, either that or they move Quantas inside. But I, I don't know. I'm not sure we're going to see that. So that's my guess is what that's what we'll start with this week. And this will be a good test because Montreal has had a week now. They've got film on, on Mason Pierce for a week and a half. Uh, and they will 100% find a way to go after him. They're going to. They're going to go and target Mason Pierce this week if he's on the field. So we'll see how he responds. It's a great, like you said, it's it's low risk right now. So they want to win this game, but this is a great opportunity to see what else they've got and you know, hopefully get a little bit of experience for, for these depth guys. All right, let's get into these injuries. Uh, Toronto's report... It's okay. I got three guys that didn't go. Robertson Daniel, we've already talked about. Curly Gittins Jr. did not practice with uh, a hip injury. That's concerning. Uh, it's not the end of the world. That's a guy I wouldn't mind getting a rest anyway at some point. Like we guys that haven't really seen a lot of rest time, Curly's one of them. So cycling him through, um, giving him maybe a week, that's what I would do. He's got a, a bad hip right now. Sit him. That's fine. Sit him. They've got, you know, Tommy Neal can play in that spot. The, the concerning part is that is that Cam Phillips is also a did not practice. And now you've got two receivers to the field side, both slot guys. Uh, they, they can make it work. Uh, they've got guys where they can they can fill that in. You could go, if you wanted to, you could go three Canadians to the field, which is a real luxury. I'd love to see that. I think that's kind of cool. Uh, they probably won't go that way with it, though. So we'll, we'll see how they handle it. I think they'd be more likely to slide Brissett inside and then bring up Hadell or something like that. I think that's probably more what we would see. But you'd see a ton of Brissett, Ungerer, uh, Neald in that rotation if, if Curly were out. So we'll see how that goes. It's still... I say it's still early in the week. It's not really. It's a Friday game, um, but they've really only got one more practice. So tomorrow's practice will get a better feel for for how this is going. But that's it. Robertson, Daniel, Curly Gittins Jr., Cam Phillips. Um, everyone else that was out was a healthy scratch, and they're all full. So that's a pretty short injury list. Montreal's list is short, too. They are, the guys are coming back. So last week, and JB, you sort of called this, right? When we looked at the injury report last week, you're like, I, I see what they're doing here. They're resting, guys getting them healthy to really go at it on the second half of this back-to-back in Montreal. The Argonauts better be ready for a war because Kaylin Julian Grant went full. He's probably coming back. Uh, Deontay Ruffin went full with that hip injury. He's coming back. Avery Williams was missed. Uh, elbow injury, he went full. Uh, Reggie White Jr. was limited. Wesley Sutton went full. Uh, the DB, like, this is... Uh, the only bad thing for Montreal is that William Stanback didn't practice, but... But he barely played last week anyway. It was mostly Walter Fletcher on the field. So Montreal is, is um, you get the sense this is a pretty important game for them. And maybe this is the best time to transition us into the next segment. JV, game preview. Uh, what are we going to get from Les Alouettes this week? Uh, I think you're going to get a really prepared team, a team that got embarrassed on national TV. Uh, a team that got pushed around despite trying to push Toronto around. Um, a team that needs to win to stay relevant in the playoff fight. Uh, a team that's very good at home. 
you know, I think you add all that together, plus the influx of healthy players, plus a general feeling around the team that that this was the game that they sacrificed the first game for. Uh, it's going to be a real uphill battle. I think this is going to be Toronto's toughest game um, of the season. Um, you know, maybe the I thought the Lions game would be tougher, but uh, I think this is going to be a really, really good challenge for Toronto because I think Montreal is very good at home and they are going to be very energized to try and avenge uh, how they were embarrassed on uh, on Saturday. I agree. And I actually think Montreal matches up pretty well against Toronto. They they have some flexibility. Like they've had they've had their issues this season. They've had issues getting touchdowns through the air. They've had some explosive run days, but like when they're on, when they're firing, they do match up well. They've got a little bit of everything, right? They don't they're not it's not one thing you can just shut down when they're working. You know, will they all be working? We'll see. But like you say, this is this is it. Like they are this is all hands on deck for for Montreal. They are they're ready to go for this one. I agree. I think this is going to be the toughest opponent that the Argos have faced so far this year. Not in who they are on paper, but in the effort and the play that they're going to get on Friday night. Uh, I think you know, Toronto better be ready. This is tough. It's hard to win back to backs anytime. Winning both ends of a back-to-back when Montreal is desperate like this and they're bringing everyone back and they've seemed to have sort of schemed it this way and it's in Montreal, a place that Toronto doesn't always play well. It's a tough place to play. Everything about this is bad for the Argos. They're not banged up, but, you know, you got a couple guys that you have concerns about, like certainly banged up in the, in the secondary. This has the makings of trouble. Uh, for yeah, the Toronto if, Argonauts. If they were to win this game, I would consider it the most impressive win they had this season. Yeah, I think that's fair too. And I think people would laugh at that because I think you would say, well, how could you know, Montreal, because if they win the game, Montreal, do they slip to five below? There would be below 500. If if Toronto wins this game, Montreal is six and seven. And people will say, well, how can that be the most impressive win? What about beating BC? You know, what about, what about? No, uh, yeah, no, I, I just think division rival uh, for Clinching first is never easy to clinch um, on the road, back to back, injury return. I just think you put it all together and it's going to be a hell of a fight. Agreed. JB, let's get to OCDC. OCDC is brought to you by the Business Barbershop and Spa. They invite you to experience Etobicoke's premier licensed men's grooming lounge for hair, face, and body care. They're celebrating 10 years in the Kingsway. You've got to check it out. It's right at Royal York Subway, right on Bloor Street, right there in the Kingsway. It's it's just steps from the subway. It's a fantastic place to get your hair cut, to get a shave, uh, to get a massage if you want, to get a, a scalp massage, all that stuff. Whatever you want to do. You want one part of that, you just want a haircut, great. It's the best place you can get your haircut. Check out the business, barbershop, and spa. You won't regret it. OCDC, JB, I'm going to start it off on the offensive side of the ball for the Montreal Alouettes. I'm going to use some of my plan from last week because some of it we didn't see, and I still think it's there for the Alouettes, but I think we're going to go a little bit further with it. So I think they have to continue with the screen game. They didn't open with that last week. Remember, we saw a billion screens in Montreal in the first meeting. They worked pretty well. Remember, Montreal was winning that game late. That's Chad Kelly's only comeback win of the season was the game in Montreal. Because it was the only, it's no no fault on Chad Kelly. It's the only time he's been in the game and they've been behind in the fourth quarter was that one. So Montreal was doing it until 
Jack Kelly drove the field. We had the uh, the Demonte Coxey spectacular one-handed catch and all that. That was a game. And most of Montreal's yardage came on screen passes. So they brought it out a little bit last week, but not to the full extent that I expected to see it. And I think this week, you're not only going to see traditional screens, you're going to see things built off that screen game. You're going to see screen progressions. So you will see double screens. You will see fake screen and go. So you sort of the, the, the pump fake outside and then the over top or the pump. Probably more likely against Toronto would be a pump fake and a slant. Uh, pump fake, slant, pump fake, uh, seam. I think that's probably the stuff that we will see against Toronto. I also, if I were Montreal, I want to throw it deep, just 50-50 balls. If you can find isolated matchups, you find Toronto will play a lot of that, a lot of cover four, they'll play some match. You're streaking down the sideline. There's probably only going to be one guy with you, not help over top all the time. Throw the ball up for your guys. Throw the ball up for Austin Mack. Throw the ball up for, for any of those guys to uh, try and make a play. If, if Kayon Julian Grant's back, he's another guy. Go see if he can make a play. That would be... That'd be the the basis of my Montreal strategy this week. I would not try and run much. I will play fake, uh, a lot of play action, but I don't think, like we saw, like it's tough. Montreal tried to run the ball last week. They couldn't. And I think it's going to be very similar again this week. So I think it's got to be done through the air. That's how I would attack Toronto. JB, you are the Montreal defense. What is your plan for this week? Hmm. I I think that you you want to play a lot of man defense. Uh, a lot of I like uh, having a free safety. Um, you know, playing a lot of cover one, with the safety in the middle of the field, looking seams, um, looking to take one of those uh, high risk uh, balls that Chad likes to throw. I think when you stay in man, you you frustrate him. He he. When he doesn't see open receivers, he he just gets angry and <laughs> fires the ball 150 miles an hour sometimes. Um, so I, I think that's what you're looking to do. I think you're looking to be on top of those receivers. Don't give them windows. Um, I think Toronto has a receiver core that uh, you you have a, a better chance of playing man with. So I would go uh, man there. And uh, in terms of the running game, um, you know, I think you you have to um, you have to come heavy on first down and not allow Toronto to get five yards. You know, you have to you have to keep them a second and eight because if you're at second and five, now you're really in trouble. Now they can go both ways. So I think you have to run blitz on first down, um, take away the quick out to the running back, and uh, you know just play really tough man coverage with the the safety lurking. Uh, and uh, you know, try and try and frustrate. I wouldn't blitz, Chad. I think you just I think you just have to frustrate him with uh, guys that aren't open. Switching over to the good guys, uh, my plan for the Argos this week is very different from my plan last week. The Argos ran very well last week against the Alouettes, and the Alouettes are getting some reinforcements this week. We're, we already talked about the return of Williams. Um, you've also got Sankey, who has been signed, uh, brought in from, from well, from the XFL, but prior to that, Saskatchewan. So they've got some, there, there's some reinforcements. Linebacker is going to be a lot more problematic this week than it was this past week. And they're watching film all week of A.J. Olette and Andrew Harris running all over them. 
AJ Olette running for 105 yards, Andrew Harris 21 yards, but they had that that highlight reel run that Harris took for, it was only a nine yard gain. You don't see a lot of nine yard running back highlights, but he had like seven alouettes on his back and he was just chugging forward for, for nine. They've watched that all week. They are going to, they're, they're going to stop the run this week. This, they... Toronto will not be able to run the ball that well this week. This is no fault of their own. It's just that Montreal is overcompensating for getting embarrassed uh, in run stop last week. So you're going to take advantage of that. So what I want to see Toronto do is basically target that underneath hole. They have to be careful because you do get very aggressive safety play from Decois. Like he will come down. So that is a danger. But you're looking to attack just behind the linebackers. And if Decois is coming down, then over top. So I go, I've gone back to this play a few times, but I love the high low. Like from the trip side, you have your, your inside guy from the trip side. You're basically targeting, you're, you're running underneath the safety. You're trying to lure in Duquois. This is like a, they call this for like for the love of the game route. You, it never gets thrown to because it always gets picked up. But his job is to pin the safety there. And then from your number two, from your middle guy on the trip side, he's the one running the seam and he's kind of looking to tuck in behind. And that combo that is going to draw down Duquois, that I think you can live on all day because I think the linebackers are going to step up. And so Duquois is going to have to choose. So the linebackers are not going to be able to drop quickly enough to cover that underneath hole. And now he's got to make a choice. Do I come down and take this, this for the love of the game route? Or do I back up and get the, um, well, it would be usually be Curly Gaines Jr. We'll see who it is this week. But on the seam route, those I want to see a ton of. That's For me, that's my main thing. I also want to see some double moves on the outside. I felt like Toronto did take advantage of those two rookie DBs they had out to the boundary side last time. Uh, and... They, they made, like, was it, uh, is it Stubblefield, the, the halfback? They made him work, yeah. Um, Stubblefield, like, he led the team in tackles. He had 12 tackles. They were making him get involved. Do that again. Like, keep working on that. Devaris is too good a route runner for those guys to stop on the outside. And so I want he and Coxie to, to light it up as well. Double moves on the outside. Um, and, and one last thing too. So last week I talked about this on the, on the broadcast with Hoagie and I, I don't think I brought it up on our show last week, Toronto ran a formation that I hadn't seen them run before. They brought in both outside receivers. They skinnied them in and were lined up like a couple yards off the tackles. They did that maybe seven or eight times. And every single time they ran that motion, it was a running play every single time. Look for that to change this week. That's that's how you... The, Dinwiddie's got a long history of this. He'll show something and then play off of it uh, at some point. It, may, it probably won't be this week, but it'll be somewhere down the road. You'll see that formation and everybody's film studying the opposite side to be like, oh, I know what this is um, and gear up for the run and you've got play action off of that. But why not bring it out this week? Seal up the East this week. Bring out your like, all your tricks this week with that. They've got it sitting there. It's there. You could see it at the end of the game last week against Montreal. They bring those receivers in. Everyone gets in tight. There's all sorts of space on the outside. It can be quick outs. It can be floods to the outside. It can it can be, um, you can run pick routes out of that too, which are great. So I don't know what he's got up his sleeve. I'm sure it's something because you don't typically run out that same formation again and again and again if you're not going to do something with it at some point. So that is my plan. I got a lot for, for Toronto's offense this week. What's Toronto's defensive plan, JB? Well, Montreal is is you know is not very good at, at many things offensively. They're they're decent at the deep ball, and clearly Mac has great chemistry. So I'm 
you know, I don't know, like if it were me, you know, I might, I might double Mac, but um, to be honest, I think what you're, you're looking to do is Montreal is not great at protecting the quarterback. I think it's good practice for the team. I think you have to go after that quarterback, go after Fajardo. He's an older guy, bring as much heat as you can. And then also that sort of is your run blitzing. So I think, you know, you have your two high shell and you are just bringing uh, as much heat as you can in the first half. And if you get up, then, you know, really, like as the Argos have discovered, you really only need to play two quarters a game. Um, so if you can get up early, that that simplifies all of your defensive problems because now they have to pass and now it's just much easier. It's one dimensional. So I think you 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 be as aggressive as you can and hope that your team puts up 17 in the first quarter again, and then it takes all the pressure off you. My one thing for this week is very simple, and I think it leads to a Toronto win, even though you may not see a direct connection to it. I think they've got to keep Austin Mack out of the end zone. I think he's the one guy on offense that you just don't know, right? Like he was obviously fired up last week. I, don't, I still don't know exactly what happened. I don't think we'll ever find out exactly what happened down there. But the conflict that there was that led to him throwing a punch early in the game, got him ejected from this big game. He's coming back now. If he scores a long touchdown early in the game, that is going to fire up Montreal like nothing else. They've got to keep him off the scoreboard. He has to be, you, you can let him have a bunch of catches and that's more Toronto style anyway. Like they'll let you take stuff in front, but do not let him beat you down the sideline. Do not let him get into the end zone. That's my one thing. Keep Austin Mack off the scoreboard. Toronto wins the game. Where are you going, JB? Um, my one thing is a defensive touchdown. I think it's time. Uh, I think that the uh, you know it's 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 uh, you know luxurious to look at some of the minor you know flaws in this sports car or yacht that is the Argonaut team. Uh, I'd love to see a defensive touchdown, um, whether it be a fumble return or a pick six. Uh, the defense is good enough, obviously, and I'd like to see. The, I think it's a defense that could score more. When you look at the playmakers on that on that group, I'd like to see that. I wonder about Tavares McFadden. Him in the halfback spot, like he's a pretty good ball hawk anyway, but he never really, as a corner, and he always was out at corner, uh, he never really got that kind of opportunity. In From the halfback spot, you get way more balls that you can influence, and there's also more room when you do catch it. Like he can burn. So he's a guy I'd be looking at. If you're looking for one defensive player for a pick six this week, uh, Tavares McFadden. That's where that's where I say that's coming from. JB, how does this one end? Uh, is this a Montreal win? Is this Toronto clinching <laughs> the uh, East? I am. I am for the first time this season. I am going to pick an opponent. Wow. Uh, wow. I, think Mon- I think Montreal wins at home with all of the reasons we talked about. Um, and I just think they, they, it's such a more important game to them. Um, I will take my hat off, certainly to the Argos if they if they get it there. But uh, I'm leaning Montreal. I think uh, Montreal wins 24-18. And Toronto continues its uh, spectacular record of uh, losing when scoring under 19 points. 
Yeah, that's an amazing stat. That is one of the best stats you've ever dug up. Um, it's <laughs> it's me. unreal. Like yeah, that's that one, is just one in forty two since twenty fifteen. Unbelievable number. Yeah, uh, I'm almost there with you, but not quite. I just think the Toronto team's too good. Like they've answered the bell every single time, and as long as Chad Kelly is out there, I. think think he's going to put a drive together at the end. They've got so many playmakers. You just put, even if Curly Gittins Jr. is out, you have Chad Kelly out there throwing to Devaris Daniels and DeMonte Coxie. You've got A.J. Olette and Andrew Harris that you can use out of the backfield too. Chad Kelly's going to put a drive together at the end of the game if he needs to. And I think he will in this one. I think Montreal is up late. I think Toronto is really tested on this one. And I think they pull out a game-winning drive at the end. I've got Argos 31 Alouette's 29, and it is a nail-biter. It is more of a nail-biter than the last time the Argos were in Montreal. Now, going your way, though, is interesting because uh, you know who's up next week, right? Like, to to be able to... So, if the Argos don't win this week and they uh, end up returning home uh, for a home game against the Hamilton Tiger Cats to clinch uh, on a night game, Saturday night game in Toronto against the Tiger Cats, that would be... That would be kind of fun, but I know the staff, this team, they want to get this thing done. They definitely want to get this wrapped up and put Montreal away as well. You just want to bury the, like, it's more about, it's not even about winning the game themselves because they're, like, let's face it, like, they're going to. You look at the standings and the math of it. Uh, Mike Hogan's going to be great. Pre, pre-game on the on the wall, Mike Hogan puts... Um, in our broadcast booth, he he tapes everything up to his wall. I've got like two sheets on my wall. I've got my computer here. He's got everything on his wall. And it's it's awesome. It's like every bit of information you could ever want is there. And he's done the math and calculated the magic numbers. Like it looks so promising for Toronto. Not much needs to happen to clinch the East. It's just going to happen. Even if Toronto did nothing else for the rest of the year, they would probably still clinch the East. But you don't want it to come down to that. Toronto wants to win this week to put Montreal in a bind. They want to put them in a in a state with, with Hamilton and Ottawa all together where they have to uh, get into a, a weekly bar fight uh, to find out who's the two and who's the three. Like, that's why you do it. So that while you're resting and having lemonade, Montreal, Ottawa, and Hamilton are punching each other in the back of the head. That's why you win this week. That's what that sets up. So I, I think Toronto... It, I think it's going to mean something to them that way. So they pull this one out. It's time for Put Me Down for 20. And I just want to remind you that while gambling can be a fun way to enhance your sports viewing experience, it's important to do so responsibly. Set a budget. Never bet more than you'd be happy to lose. And if you or anyone else develops a gambling problem, you can call the Ontario Problem Gambling Helpline 1-888-230-3505. JB, it was uh, you. You put you put a you had a bit of a risk last week. I think you got very confident after your double win the week before. Uh, you <laughs> the, had some long the, plays. Uh, the siren call of the long odds uh, drew me into a game. I knew Toronto would win handily. I just hoped, you know, maybe there would be a a, a hangover for the first half. But uh, yeah, that was that was not a call based on uh, you know as they say for entertainment purposes only <laughs> yes very much uh, and that's you know the thing when you follow both of us like uh, we're we're trying but 
this is really difficult. Do not do anything serious with our advice. No, it was not. It was not a. That was not a money pick. That was a square pick. So uh, your two hundred golden fleeces are seventy three at the moment. Um, not a season low. You've still got some. No, some it's good. Room I'm to play still. Yeah, I'm still. I'm still fighting. I'm going. Um, uh, a little bit, uh, I think a little bit more conservative this week. Uh, although I do love those long odds. Uh, I like Andrew Harris, first touchdown. First touchdown of the game? Uh, yes. At plus 1,200, you're talking about not, you're playing it conservative? <laughs> I, I, well, it's conservative for me. Yeah. I think uh, I think they like Harris in the, in the red zone early. Um, and I do think that... Uh, you know, I know I've picked Montreal to win, but uh, I guess I would call this a hedge. If uh, if Montreal doesn't win, I think that Toronto gets out to an early lead, and um, I've been burned by the early Harris touchdown before, so I am I am on the early touchdown train. At plus twelve hundred, this would almost bring you back to your two hundred golden places. I, I mean, you'd be it, right there. It seems very long from where I sit, um, but that's that's probably. <laughs> Why? Uh, why I'm at seventy two uh, golden fleeces? And what's your other? Where are your other ten golden fleeces going? Uh, um, uh, my other one is um, what's my other one? You sent those to me somewhere here. Hang on. Oh, you you got you got BC. Did you play them up to minus fourteen? Is that what? This no, is? no, no. Yeah, no. It's so yeah. It. Uh, um, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at BC to to win by fourteen. Um, I like I like them to take care of business. It's not great. One twenty five. It's okay, but uh, I, I like BC to win by fourteen. All right. Uh, on my side, I'm I, I won and lost last week, but my win was a big one. It was plus two hundred, um, and so I'm now at three hundred thirty four point two golden fleeces. If you can divide up a golden fleece that way. Uh, I've got, I'm going back to the Devaris Daniels thing. Uh, that was, the odds are plus 175 again this week for, for a Devaris Daniels touchdown. They went all the way down to minus 220 last week after after he scored like every, a touchdown in every five minutes for the previous few games. So they're back up to plus 175. No passing touchdowns last week for Chad Kelly. I don't expect that to be maintained today. So I like those odds on, on Devaris, especially if Cam Phillips and Curly Gittens are banged up. Uh, let, let's look for Devaris for a touchdown. And then my other 10 golden fleeces are a Winnipeg minus six and a half. That's just sitting at, at minus 105. Winnipeg beating Hamilton by a touchdown. Winnipeg's a much better team. Like as you said in an earlier segment, they, they have a legitimate argument that they are the best team in the CFL. The Hamilton Tiger Cats are not the best team in the CFL. And Winnipeg does not, after avenging their Saskatchewan loss last week and having to just go superhero mode to to win that game they don't want to have that happen again and they're not they're not gonna let that happen again they just won't and so winnipeg's gonna win this game handily i think (laughs) and we'll see how that works out for both of us all right it's time for our cfl picks so last week i was three and one you were two and two uh, so I am thirty six nineteen on the year. You're thirty five and twenty. We are we're yeah we're both in the same same ballpark, obviously. Uh, yeah, let's take a look at what we got this week. Toronto at Montreal. I have picked Toronto. You have got Montreal uh, for this one. So that's that's an exciting difference. I think we might be in. Oh no, we're not going to be in different places here. I forgot about your Edmonton um, vow. Um, Edmonton Saskatchewan. I've picked Saskatchewan for this and going with the Green Riders. 
Are you going to pick yeah, the Elks? Yeah, I like Saskatchewan at home. I know Edmonton has uh, shown uh, shown some fight, but I think this game, I think, I mean, Saskatchewan is, <laughs> has been um, very frustrating this year, but I, I'm still going to pick them at home. They're a way better team than they looked last week. They're not. They're not a great team. Like the, it's one, two, three in the CFL. It's BC, Winnipeg, Toronto. It's not in that order. I think it's Toronto, Winnipeg, BC. But everyone else is like sort of the same. I think Saskatchewan is the best of the bunch, though. They're just not in the class of of Winnipeg, Toronto, BC right now. But but they're not a bad team, and I think I think they can handle the Elks at home, especially after getting embarrassed. Uh, Winnipeg at Hamilton. I've got Winnipeg. Uh, are you taking the Tiger Cats in this one? Uh, no, uh, I think Winnipeg has had enough, you know, kind of surprises this season. Hamilton is not particularly good in Hamilton uh, this year for some reason, which is odd. So I think Winnipeg comes in and uh, takes care of it. And then Ottawa at BC. BC coming off a bye. Ottawa traveling around the world Ooh, to get there. That's why I love my 14 points. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a great play. I think I think BC just demolishes Ottawa. They can't afford not like they, they have to hang in, right? Like they're they're looking at their matchup with with Winnipeg down the road. They got one more. When is this like in a couple of weeks' time? And yeah, they have they have to bank this one. Yeah, they just have to stay there um, because that's what's keeping like they just can't lose. They can't lose another game, um, and so they're not going to let this happen. They'll take care of business early. Uh, famous last words. We'll, we'll see again. We'll see how that turns out. <laughs> I tell, meanwhile, Ottawa wins 28 27 in overtime. <laughs> it's happened to us like like 30 times this year. Uh, where we're so like, irritating. well, this, there's no way this team wins. I, then... I just don't think BC gets caught by surprise. They got caught by surprise by Hamilton. Um, I would imagine that that conversation with their coaches is fresh in their mind. I don't, I don't think they get caught s- sleeping on Ottawa Friday night. Seven o'clock. Toronto is in Montreal. You can cast, catch me on the broadcast with Mike Hogan on TSN Radio or the digital version of that. Uh, it's it's going to be a great one, JB. This, like you said, we expect this to be the best game of the year. We expect this to be the best test of the year for the Toronto Argonauts. So make sure you don't miss it. That will just about do it for us on this pregame walkthrough edition of the X's and Argos podcast. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya.